2: Welcome back to Open the VoiceGate for October 4th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open OpenVoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our RedCircle.com landing site. And you click the red box that says Sponsors Podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, Case Lowe. And Case, how are you doing on this Tuesday night?
1: I'm stressed out, as always, but it's good to be back. Thank you to everybody who listened to and enjoyed last week's episode. The feedback on that was very nice. As soon as we stopped recording, I asked Mike off the air. I said, do you think I made my point clear? I'm not sure people are going to understand what I was talking about, but it seems like people did. And so uh, if we have new listeners, I'm delighted that you're here. And if you're somebody that listens every week, welcome back.
2: Yeah, thanks for all the kind words about that. That was something where I, I think we kind of roughly talked beforehand. And in case I to let you to kind of take the wheel a little bit and chipping in where I did. So if anything, that 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 the, the majority of that goes towards you versus me on that.
1: Well thank you for that I I you know you know Mike we' are a partnership. I couldn't do this without you. I will say if you're a, if you're a new listener if last week caught your ears for whatever reason and you weren't totally sure a lot of what we were talking about, there is a video that got uploaded to YouTube today and I will have Mike put it in the show description. Uh, the man known as Guts Dozer, which is a top tier. Online username created a little how to get into Dragon in under ten minutes YouTube video. Very well done. His his other video on Masquerade was also incredibly informative, but this one is great. If you if you heard this, if the voices of wrestling flagship guys put it on your radar and you listen and thought, I'd like to know more about this. I would recommend that video. Under ten minutes, it really gets you caught up to speed on what you need to know to maybe listen to this podcast in a way that would make sense going forward.
2: Yeah, and it's something that I it, it seems like that uh, Gower or whoever like like figured out the fair use thing. So that's something that I think is really good to have like a constant resource because it's just tough. Like, I, well, we've talked about that kind of stuff before, and, and ultimately we get to a certain point and we get distracted. But seeing what Gut Dozer has done there, like that's something that I think that that I think like Dragon Gate, like especially if like fans like onboarding is something I talk about a lot and just normal life, sadly, but, uh, it, it, it's something that, that it helps, uh, lessen the curve, I would say. And anything, I think that lessens the curve to get more people to watch dragon gate, I think is the best. So yeah, I'll make sure to have them in the show notes.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I, it, this is, you know, this is a time to jump on as, uh, Noah continues to do whatever they're going to do. All Japan is what they are, which is, I, I, I will say I'm, You know, this is the premier podcast for All Japan Cork and Hall attendance reports because for all of the things that have gone down in wrestling this year, from the AEW media scrum scandal to wrestlers jumping ship and whatnot, I think the single most entertaining story in wrestling this year has been that All Japan continues to crush it in Cork and Hall. Their most recent show was 821 Fans, and I think the one before that was like 907 or something. Yeah, this uh, September 19th, uh all japan show headlined by Miyahara versus uh naoya namora for the triple crown title 919 fans in cork and hall and i'm just fascinated by this because it's not a promotion that feels particularly hot i don't know a ton of people that talk about all japan but they are beating Noah and ddt pretty easily in that building and and i think that's super interesting but if you're not into ddt if you're not into Noah, if you're not into all japan Obviously, Drangate is the promotion that you can turn to, and hopefully between last week's podcast and that introduction video and what we're going to talk about today, we can make that onboarding process a little bit easier.
2: Yeah, so there was no uh, live shows on the network this week, so we are going a little bit off script. Uh, we, we do have some of uh, the Card 4 Thursday's Corkin show that has been announced, and we do have following up from our laundry, from our bigger conversation from last week, we do have people listed for that show that we talked about so we'll talk about that. Well, t- the US excursion stuff, we'll, we're coming up on a pretty big weekend and uh, like a series of weeks for Dragon Gate in USA. I know K's okay, night. We've, we've 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 caught up what we can over the last few days. I had a hurricane roll through a Case like oh okay all
1: right oh i guess you you can't watch drangit you had a hurricane to deal with whatever
2: i i I mean it's something that if you listen to music of the mat here on the award-winning voices of wrestling podcast network i have done shows through a hurricane now let's be clear i but by the time ian was a threat for me and where it was not really a thing but it was something that could say
1: have podcasted through a hurricane
2: so yeah
1: you know, I, I haven't listened to your most recent appearance on Music of the Map because, as I've pointed out on this show before, never been invited. Despite working in the music industry, somehow never got that Music of the Map invite. I like Andrew Rich. I think he's great. He's a robot. Don't have that invite. Can't believe it.
2: Well, Case, I, I, I will say this. I did discover a lot about John Underdown for this episode.
1: I don't know who that is. Should I? Uh-
2: uh, the the English vocalist for basically everything that, that that comes out for Dragon Gate themes over the last five years, gotcha. six years really. Right. Right. That's uh, uh, okay. y- 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 you know the annoying tri Vanguard theme that I always made a joke about how it was bit ba- how it was like sounds like a straight out of Sonic Adventure.
1: Unfortunately, I do remember I do remember anything about Tribe Vanguard, which is unfortunate. I do remember that theme song.
2: Yeah, y- yeah, you remember how it was just like very much like a Sonic a Hedgehog like theme. A uh, funny thing about that, you could discover more about that if you listen to Music of the Mad. Did week. you guys
1: discuss Diamante's theme being a ripoff of Lincoln Park's Paper Cut?
2: No, we did not talk about that. I, okay. th- th- that's something that that sadly we got. I was so excited about talking about John Underdown and what I discovered going on the Sonic fan wikis, which are which are a very dangerous place. Case
1: I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not a dork, so don't worry about that. Can I ask you a non-Drangate related question before we spend ninety minutes talking about Drangate?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: What's do you up? have do you have uh, opinions on the? career life and times of antonio Inoki. well uh
2: god that's a loaded question do i have <laughs> yeah. thoughts about antonio Inoki? <laughs> of course i have thoughts about antonio enoki yeah man uh, well uh it, it, it's something that i think like the kind of figure enoki was is kind of like the last of a bygone era and i think that, like that's like the one thing that's like really like taken me a aside is like okay he was like him and giant baba were just were were, like promoted as uh, ricky dozen's like disciples and now like that link is gone to like the father of japanese pro wrestling and that's like that that's like a takeaway that i haven't really heard or seen so far about that like i feel like that there is like enoki was like yeah he wasn't really a part of wrestling anymore but, like, he still was that figure that, like, was basically since the advent of pro wrestling in Japan. And I think that that's something that it, it, it has to be, like, now, like, down to, like, uh, does uh, Ricky Dozen's son even wrestle anymore unless it's with his, his bad son? was What's his son's name? Was that the Chikara kid? Yeah, Chikara and Misuo uh, Momota is Ricky Dozen's son
1: it looks like he has not wrestled in about a year.
2: Yeah, it, it, because he was one of the guys that was like the real old timers that came over and like the, the Haruka Aigen stuff too, you know? Like, like he was doing that, but I mean like, he might be like one of the last links now to like that generation and like the tangential link to like the beginning of pro wrestling in Japan now. And I think that that's like a very profound loss in a way.
1: It looks like Chikara wrestled Shima in a series of three singles matches, one that lasted five seconds, one that lasted ten seconds, and one that lasted four minutes and fifty-five seconds, on the March twenty third, two thousand twenty-one PPP Tokyo show, Mike, what can you tell the folks at home about PPP Tokyo? Oh boy, case uh,
2: <laughs> tangentially like related to like uh, bikini models, AV industry, like that's like the like the one thing that like I. I kind of picked up on about them. Uh, Case, do you have other things about PPP that I'm not saying?
1: no i i don't know what that is I, but it seems like something you have a spreadsheet about hidden away on your hard drive somewhere so i well, just assume it's s- someone ge- has to
2: keep track of all of the <laughs> micro indies in tokyo
1: just because well, mike's gonna die and i'm gonna get his next of kin to be like hey i don't know what secret base is but he has a bunch of notes in here for you about it i'm like oh fuck i gotta <laughs> deal with this now
2: most people would get like the uh, wedding chest you'll get my cursed <laughs> dragon ki- dragon dragon some ravings that's like yeah no uh I dad had this in a footlocker in like a shed and said anything happens to me you need to go find case low and give this this footlocker to him. But it feels like there's a bunch of books in there. It's like why are there all these notes about el dorado yeah.
1: <laughs> it's the naoki tanazaki alternate timeline it's 90 pages <laughs> of what would have happened if he never left
2: uh whip for both departures 90 pages yes. on each one
1: Exactly. Exactly. You get it. Uh, I I just I'm curious about the Anoki thing because I very rarely find any need to participate in like widespread discourse anymore, just because most conversations annoy me. But I have really enjoyed learning more about Anoki, reading people learning about Anoki, and even as we record this, rewatching some old. 80s, New Japan stuff throughout the week. I am so excited. I've said this on the podcast before that for as aggravating as as Dave Meltzer can be, especially this year, given what we cover, for as aggravating as Dave can be, there's like a list of guys that I really need to die before Dave dies because I need to read their obituaries. And Anoki was one of those guys. So I'm super excited to read The Observer this week. Have you read the... Ali versus a Noki book that Josh gross wrote a few years ago.
2: I have had that on my Kindle for years.
1: It's I'm, excellent. I, I, okay. I read it. I read it two summers ago. It is. I thought it was really well done as somebody that is obviously a big wrestling fan and a, a very novice boxing fan, if you will. I don't know the exact qualifier to use there, but it, the history of wrestling, the way it's painted, you know, with wrestling in the 50s and 60s, and then, you know, Anoki sort of getting his own little biography throughout that book, I think it's really well done. I think you would enjoy it. I think most people that are into wrestling on the sort of level of the fact that they know what this podcast is and are listening to me right now, if you haven't read Ali versus Anoki, I would really recommend it because i I have become – over the years a huge Ali mark and I you know, read that in the summer of twenty twenty when I was, you know, at home in the midst of COVID watching old Ali fights and and I you know I read the book and thoroughly enjoyed it. So I, I would highly recommend that. And uh I, I would highly recommend Anoki matches or not, spending some time with 80s New Japan this week.
2: Yeah, it's something that like Anoki is such a singular figure. And, that, and and that's a word I use too often that I've been trying to pair back so it doesn't lose its meaning. But Anoki really was like you, you like look at it, and now how much of the stuff that that like is written about him is actually stuff that's true is is left to interpretation. But I mean, like, this is a guy that I mean, regardless of like how he like the last twenty five years of his life, like that's a life lived. Like, yes, oh, there's you,
1: no, I mean, there's no one yeah. like him. I the the comparison that I saw somebody throw out there that I really liked was it's it's japan's hulk hogan but if hulk hogan had donald trump level clout and it was like oh wow that's that's probably the most accurate american comp you can get to who is antonio inoki
2: yeah like, like i like that a lot actually and, and it's such like a fascinating thing like also uh a, a book that i sp- that i've spent time with a couple times and i've read through a couple times is stan hansen's autobiography and because he has interactions with both Anoki and baba like those are like the the two figures like whenever you talk about like oh it's hulk hogan but with like the uh, like the cultural touchstones of donald trump like his natural foil was giant baba someone who just was very quiet unassuming and was like this like this impeccable gentleman kind of like figure that like fostered his own theory of pro wrestling and it's kind of like wow now that's kind of done and yeah no neither Anoki nor baba have been relevant to like major league pro wrestling for like 25 years but like it, it it does feel like as much of an era has ended and that's something that i've that that like especially like going through and like reading stuff and like watching old Anoki things it's just kind of like reminds you of like okay like this is the guy that in a lot of ways spanned this time i mean like Japanese MMA like all this stuff here is like maybe he's not like directly responsible for it but like the through line to through like 40 years of pro wrestling in one of the dominant ecosystems passed away and it's something that I think it's that that I wonder if people like existentially come to terms with within the industry. You know,
1: it's what I've been trying to think about this week because you know it's it, he fought Muhammad Ali, which is insane. But to your point about it really being the end of an era, like Fujinami was his his young boy. But Fu, I don't like Fujinami's not a part of that era. He he was in the JWA dojo, but he debuts and I think he debuts in New Japan. He actually might have worked a few JWA matches right before the split, but. Anyways, like we don't consider Fujinami to be this like we don't consider him to be a descendant of Ricky Rikidozan even if he's really only 2 degrees removed. So, Anoki Anoki was the last guy to that era and when we lose Fujinami and Hamada and and Fujiwara and some of these first term New Japan guys, that'll be the loss of another era and luckily we, you know, we have a lot of written history and documentation and footage of those guys, but it's 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 a monumental loss that even though I personally Am not like I wouldn't consider myself a fan of Anoki or obviously Anokiism because I'm not into irony. But it's a loss that has just made me think a lot about the history of Japanese wrestling this week, and and I wanted your thoughts on it.
2: Yeah, and it's something that, like, in a lot of ways. Like You brought like Dave, like there's certain people like this. Dave's like, we know that Dave does not keep these on file too. (laughs) That's
1: like, no, it's like, why would Dave, like if I was Dave, I would be dedicating time out of my week every week on the, the Vitz, the Vince obit, the Hogan obit, the Austin obit, uh, Choshu, Tenru, which unfortunately, uh, yeah, that Tenru one. Rock, but,
2: like people yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh,
1: but no, we know that Dave cracked his knuckles at 5 p.m. last Friday and was like, okay, here's the next six days of my life <laughs> figured out. I'm going to be writing about yeah. Inoki nonstop. Well, like,
2: I guess, like, the question about that that I wanted, like, like, saying that is, I wonder and. I want to kind of get your opinion on this, like how drastically different knowing this about Dave Meltzer, that uh, uh bio will be this week versus if something happened in the bio and he passed away 15 years ago or even 2012. Like, I feel like it's two drastically different things because of the passage of time and, you know, sadly, the last 10 years, like Anoki just has not been that kind of figure. Or if he's been that kind of figure, it's him doing stuff like going to North Korea without diplomatic uh, approval you know so i wonder about that and i was wondering at like 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 how differently do you think it would be
1: well i i don't know i i am glad that it happened now that he's out of the spotlight because again it's been really interesting for people that you know people that i talk to in either the the voice of wrestling discord or that i see on twitter who i enjoy Conversing with, but are also like I don't know anything about this Anoki guy. And again, it's not like I'm a big fan of him, but it's like it's Anoki, and I I am I'm fascinated by the guy. So I like that he's been out of the spotlight because I think it's given people a chance to go. Wait, I don't know. I I know he's important, but I don't know who he is. And now they're finding out all of this stuff, which has just been great. I would recommend the Observer from the week he retired that's april 19 i think that's the second issue in april of 1998 and then if you haven't read the august 1996 g1 slash super j crown observer where dave basically goes through the history of the first 25 years of new japan and then does these legendary g1 reviews in between paragraphs those are essential reading this week i cannot recommend those enough
2: I, I think also, like, and it's not, uh, like, of the time, but, like, if you want to, like, find stuff more recently, like, uh, weirdly enough, like, I Dave wrote, like, some great stuff about the... Uh, I, I'm forgetting what it's called. The, the Collision of Korea. Like, he wrote stuff because of the Vice series. Like, I, I remember, like, he touched on it a little bit there. But I haven't gone back to see, like, 95, 96, what he wrote of in the time.
1: It's it's really good. I, I read I read both of them yesterday and thoroughly enjoyed it. I would also recommend to you because i i know you're not seeking this out on your own but dave and brian did some audio this morning that got clipped and put up on the f4w youtube channel of talking about a a number of enoki related things one of which was who's more influential enoki versus baba which i thought was an interesting conversation but they just they go through about 15 minutes worth of enoki history his legacy in pakistan which i didn't know anything about uh and just some other general things that i found to be very interesting so i i for as much as the wrestling media annoys me, both trusted outlets and obviously, like, click news with a Z sites, I have really enjoyed the Anoki stuff this week, and I I hope it continues throughout the week through Dave's obit, because I'm, I'm really excited to read that.
2: Yeah, no, it's something that first thing in the morning on Friday, I'm going to pull that up, or hopefully it'll be. A, he's been publishing it usually about Friday morning my time, so. Yes, oh. yeah, about
1: the same, and, and hopefully it's done, because... You know, it it takes Dave a while to do some things. <laughs> I'm still sure. waiting on a I'm still waiting on a new jack obituary. I don't believe that was ever published, which is a bummer because that is on the short list of most interesting wrestling obituaries, but uh nevertheless, I, I don't believe that one ever made it to press.
2: Uh just like the Ray Hall of Fame bio
1: god (laughs) thank god enoki died before hall of fame and award season because we would be getting like the observer awards in june of 2023 if enoki died right when those ballots were due (laughs)
2: that's that's absolutely true dave
1: is counting them by hand this year and it's taking a long time to sort out who mexican mvp (laughs) is oh my god
2: yeah he just keeps on adding like, like makes it more difficult for himself
1: he's just he's adding more categories it's insane yeah, yeah
2: yeah yeah now it's going to be like uh by blood type in five years and it's just <laughs> yeah. going to be like dave man you're like at a certain point you're diluted to the point where it, uh, like you arg- you make the argument already about how much they actually matter but you, it, yeah you keep on adding more and more and do the original ones matter as much
1: Let's talk about this Cork and Hall show. If you don't have anything else on the the legend of Antonio Inoki,
2: I mean, I, I do. You want to know how many times I watched the clip of him stopping the IJF uh, match between Luke Gallows <laughs> and the best Super guy? <laughs> yeah, one of the my, only him, only him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's slamming chairs and and I think that was uh, I think that was Kobe World Hall
1: too. <laughs> that that clip is better than the. Any of the like Anoki slapping the people in the face, I, yeah, that's just played out to me. Like I've seen those clips too many times. Him stopping the Luke Gallows matches five stars. It is so good. Like, uh, like
2: let's be honest here. If we want to talk about Anoki over the last twenty years, like that's probably uh, unless you want to get into the political realm, like that is is good a representation of what Anoki kind of is, you know, as a person, like dating back his entire life is. Yeah, no, he's a guy who's going to come out. Grab a chair, slam it up against barricades, and stop a match, and in and in order a match to go home in his own promotion, and completely bewilder to foreigners.
1: Learning this week, I think that that is like peak Anoki as a personality. Learning this week, and Rich crates did such a tremendous job over on the the flagship Patreon of putting together all of the clean jobs that Anoki did throughout his time in New Japan, and learning that he never lost a singles match to Fujinami, who had been his number two since Fujinami debuted in wrestling, filled me with such joy and such laughter, just knowing like, for 20 years and oki's like you're next you're the guy you're you're my guy you're you're the future face of this promotion best i can do is go an hour broadway with your brother i can't put you over i just assumed at some point fujinami would have beaten him that is not the case he pinned him in tags but he never pinned him in a singles match and i think that is so funny
2: well you you, you number ones number twos don't matter if number twos beat ones you know i mean you, you got a hierarchy there antonio understood that
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Anoki booking genius, you're right.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. That, that that that's precisely what I'm saying. He's never had one bad booking choice in his entire career. No, never no. It,
1: it was good that Eugene Nagata got knocked out by the greatest MMA fighter of all time.
2: <laughs> greatest <laughs> entrance of all time, too.
1: Oh my god, yes.
2: I I I'm sorry. Uh having have seen uh, Duran Duran, like Wild Boys, is something that I I was furious that they did not play Wild Boys that time because I wanted to to in my mind do the Lean Heart
1: like intro for Crow Cop. Is uh is Duran Duran good? I like them. They're okay. fun. I was
2: They're
1: just fun. talking to somebody. I was talking to somebody at work recently who I guess is like a Duran Duran head. Like that's his thing. But I don't really trust his music taste, and so I wasn't sure if I was really supposed to buy into that or not. But that might that might be a worthwhile sit down. I'd like to know if people have top three Duran Duran tracks. Please send them my way.
2: Well, uh, Rio, uh, Wild Boys, uh, yeah. I, I'm blanking on a couple right now. Uh, That's I okay. Right. No pressure.
1: We we don't we don't have to talk about uh, Duran Duran at this point. I would love to talk about Gate of Victory 2022.
2: Yeah, l- l- let's get to Corkin. So Corkin is on Thursday. We just. Like scheduling wise, it kind of worked out this way for us this week. Uh, we have already two matches announced, like rare, cork, and stuff, and it's really five matches announced because case we are getting another a uh, single match series. This isn't the all-out war. We're not getting Hyo playing coach here, but natural vise versus Z Brats, Casey, Big Boss Shimizu, UT, Jackie Funky Kame versus Kai, BB Hulk, Hyo, and Diamante. The match pairings will be decided by lottery. And that could literally be anything from like biting into bread than actually like drawing straws. So who knows how excited.
1: I get super excited about stuff like this. We are one year removed from. They did this with R.E.D. and Masquerade last year, and it ended with Jason Lee pinning Ata in a singles match. And I adored that. Well, actually. As we close the show with a fun little segment, I don't know if it's going to be fun or not. We might shit on it halfway through, but I plan on bringing up this this gimmick that they're doing again later on uh, for our, our show closing segment. I love stuff like this. It sets Dragon Gate apart. There's no bad combination of matches here between KZ Shimizu, Ut, and Kame, and then Kai Hulkyo and Diamante. Even, like, what, what's the weakest matchup possible here? It's obviously Hulk versus somebody. Is there a Hulk match that you don't want to see? Uh,
2: for two different reasons, uh, KZ and Shimizu. KZ, because KZ is a madman and will insist <laughs> on, like, doing insane bumps from the apron to the floor, and Hulk's body don't work that way no more. And no one uh, don't. Yeah, Shimizu, because we could see how this match goes, and it can get real bad.
1: I, I actually, I would prefer they burn Hulk versus Shimizu here because let Shimizu do like the shoulder blocks where Hulk takes the big twisty bump that he does so well. And Dancing then let's time. just let. I, I don't. I I would rather Hulk wrestle Shimizu so we don't waste KZ, UT, or Kame. Yeah. In, in that match because you know I'm I'm personally hoping for UT versus Diamante here and KZ versus Kai and that would leave us with uh with Kamei versus Hyo, which would be excellent. All the possibilities here are good. Again, I I think Hulk, you know, these singles matches, it's not like Hulk's going to headline this. It's going to be under 10 minutes. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll be exposed. I just think it would be preferable for everybody if he wrestled Shimizu three minutes, get in, get out, and then let the flashy guys do their flashy things.
2: Yeah, I mean, shoulder block, flip cell, shoulder block, flip cell, dancing time. You cut him off, kick him in the head. Let's get out of here.
1: Bingo. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh let me throw something at you here. All right. As it maybe not something that we see the immediate aftermath of at this October Cork on Hall show but something that I don't know if it's worth pinning on on your brain of a bulletin board bulletin board of a brain rather but I've seen some tweets and there's no insider speculation here there's no real validity to them other than fan theory of wondering if we start to see The beginnings of a UT heel turn here is that something that you one find to be realistic, two find to be interesting.
2: Well, the tease is already there because at Dangerous Gate, like when Strong Machine J went to go chase after Fake Shun, UT was like, "What's the deal?" That clearly wasn't Shun Skywalker, and has been very frustrated about that. So I I could see that if it's, it it could be tinges of that. It's something where like. I always think about the jimmies about how it felt like that, uh, Naoki Tanazaki before he actually turned was like teasing, turning like five times. Like it was a constant thing. Like they, there was like a year and a half period where Naoki Tanazaki had beef of everyone in his team. But it, it, it's something where I think that we'll probably start to see that with UT. And I think that's something that will pay off down the line with whatever the destination is, is does UT turn or not? Like, I feel like that that is a clear direction that they'll probably try to play into with this, uh, natural vibes in zebra's view that has to be heading towards the disbands match
1: i love the idea of ut being really tempted by the dark side and then eventually choosing good instead of evil that just seems like the type of thing that a crowd whether they're still voice restricted or if it's a normal crowd that is the type of thing that they would go crazy for i think ut uh, being sympathetic in the way that he's being played by somebody manipulative, like a Shun, like a Hio, like an sp Kento, and then eventually siding back with his friends, I think is something that would come across super well. So I hope this is a path they explore. I personally don't see Heel UT being a thing immediately, nor in the short term, short short term, nor really in the long term. But I've been wrong before, so we'll say
2: he hasn't really turned heel or have had a heel run outside of millennials. So he is someone that they could always say like, Hey, you want to go heel? You've never really done that. And like, that's an option, but I am leaning more towards your opinion that like, there's like enough natural sympathy there. And with like shows coming up and where they're coming up with, like, I think that they're going to be able to really like play up with that beauty. And it's something that when we talk about like unit landscape with Kagator out for a couple months and, yamato going aside maybe going to see the guy that he idolized growing up as a kid that you can see him in the crowd maybe that's something we can see with him in dragon kid coming up over the next like month or so
1: i'm sure they've got nagoya booked in november december and i i look if it were up to me i would not be turning ut heel right before a nagoya show so i i think right. he will stay baby face and i do love the idea of a ut Dragon kid pairing
2: yeah, it's just something that, like, just, like, looking at how things are shaking out, I'm like, okay, like, Yamato and Dragon Kid, like, you can keep them together, but, you know, Dragon Kid and UT, you haven't really kind of played on that in a while. So, the, 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 that's, like, my inclination, at least. But we have one other match that's announced, and it's a match that's specifically for you and I. It is uh, the pseudo-M3K team of Ishinahashi and Mochizuki Jr., Teaming up against Ryu Fuda and Kaito Nagano, who are just like kind of bursting out now, and it's return of Fuda after he missed uh, dangerous gate with uh, issues relating to his uh, previously broken sternum.
1: I don't need to do a whole thing on the young guys again; that has been covered. But holy shit, am I excited about this match? You're exactly right. This is this is Case and Mike Core. I understand not everybody is super into this, but. You could book KZ versus Jesus Christ on this show, and I'm going to be more excited about this tag match than whatever Jesus is going to do in the main event. This is my style of wrestling. These are my guys. Mochizuki Jr. and Ishin feel so hot right now, and they feel like they are both coming into their own, which is crazy because, you know, Ishin is one year in, and Mochizuki Jr. is four months into his career, and I'm sitting here going, like, wow, these guys have have entered a new stage, which is just insane to think about. They're going to be good. We know what those guys are going to bring to the table. What excites me here is not really even uh, Nagano, who I think is going to be excellent and is going to fit like a glove getting his ass kicked in this match, because he is going to take an absolute throttling for Mochizuki Jr. and Ishinohashi. It's going to be really interesting to see what Fuda brings to the table. He's been up and down since his debut, he got choked out, eaten alive by Akuda and and It really seemed to derail his momentum. He had the broken sternum. He came back. Are, are were you in the on the same page as me that I really liked the way he looked when he returned from injury? Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I thought Fuda uh, looked like a million bucks, and he needed to differentiate himself as a kickboxer, I guess, as a style, and he found like his lane about doing like, oh, I'm going to use the ropes and make it be that I'm like super precise now because I can get different angles. I, I, I really like the changes that he made when he came back from injury.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And it seemed like right when he was starting to pick up some momentum, and I fear this will be the story of his career, but right when he started to pick up some momentum, he got hurt again, and he missed out on Dangerous Kid, and it's a bummer, but I think he's going to come back here, and, and this is a match that is going to be less about the Mochizuki Jr. and Ishinihashi pairing, less about Nagano making his presence felt in, in Tokyo yet again. It is going to be about Ryu Fuda and what can he do given that, you know, he debuted two months after Ishinihashi, but Ishin is so far ahead of him. And Mochizuki Jr. debuted six months after him, and Mochizuki Jr. is so far ahead of him. What can Fuda do to cement his place on the card? And I think this match will tell us a lot about the direction of him specifically going forward. I am really excited about this match. I, For as great as the old guy versus young guy tags are, you know, I would love to see any of these young guys against Mochizuki and Fuji or, you know, as we kind of talked about last week, all the grumpy old guys have kind of gone by the wayside. But there's still possibilities there. But the young guy versus young guy tag, I am fired up about this.
2: And it's something that, you know, this will be the first M3K appearance for Ishin Ahashi in front of the Corkin crowd and how much they've kind of built uh, Tokyo around the uh, Ahashi and Mochizuki feud. So I think I, 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 I get where you're going at saying how much this match is about Riafuda. And I completely agree. This is gut check time for him. It's something where, you know, if, you get, if you're up and down constantly, you it, it's hard to kind of gain your footing afterwards. And, and we've seen that, that it's taken time with people like strong machine, J, uh, UT, people like that. It takes a long time to kind of establish that if you get that kind of rep. So the, the ability, if he gets like a strong performance here, it starts stringing together some consistency. Like that's the, that's what we really mean when we talk about Fuda, where he's at now, we need to see consistency and he needs to have consistency for himself, I would say, or I mean, is right there there's koto there's i mean nishikawa's in mexico but i mean the the his the class after him is being debuted already like and as you said moshizuki jr Four on sin i mean that he's his junior and he's doing that so yeah we really kind of want to see that nagano and the and like these stakes i'm intrigued by With how he, as a wrestler, like with his size, how much they've made, like oh, drop kicks, drop kicks, drop kicks. What's going to happen with people that you you know, like the Mochizuki Junior and ishinahashi aren't protected. So, what's it going to be like if Nagano gets like a stretch of control? Like, I'm intrigued in that aspect about that from Nagano to see him like there's not a comfort zone in this kind of match, and I find that incredibly compelling.
1: Well, it's it's interesting. The, on the last Kobe show, for as dry and uneventful as that was, they made the point of having Ishin pin Nagano in that opening match, and that said, okay, he's still you know he might not be able to step up to a a Susumu or a Dragon Kid or a Bin K and take them out, but he is clearly above the new crop of rookies at this point. So I expect Ishin to pin Nagano yet again, and luckily, I think. In Nagano's sake, this is a situation where, yes, he's in there with young guys, but it's young guys who carry themselves with such a level of charisma and danger that he can work underneath comfortably. And I don't see a scenario unless he's, you know, hitting big move, big move, big move, and then getting stopped via a kick to the head more than likely. I don't see a scenario in which he's going to be in control on this match. If that happens, I think that's going to be super interesting to watch, but I don't anticipate it.
2: No, that's fair. That's right. And that's, that's a good point about Ishin getting that pen over him with that new choke slam. Other things on this card. We have the roster announced. Uh, it no, no big surprises knowing that, you know, that there's the there's the West Coast Pro Show happening this weekend and like that. So, but no Binke on the show. Actually, no Benke is on the show. So, he, he's going to have a pretty busy 72 hours <laughs> Tokyo uh, travel and then Russell and this is California Saturday night, but the notably, and this is following up on our discussion from last week and something that for the person that, that we kind of wanted to wait and see and see how things are Noted, Ata has been announced for Tokyo show, nothing. He wasn't on any tours that he wasn't booked on them before danger skate. And I think we're kind of, we, I, I, I haven't heard anything. to think we might get any announcement one way or another about Ada, but I think like it's worth following up and stating that Ada is on the show. So everything that we said last week in mind, uh, what what are your thoughts now that Ada's just booked on the show?
1: I expect Ada going forward to be in Kobe, to be in Tokyo, to be in Osaka, and to be on the big shows. I, I think we're getting a glimpse into his future schedule, big announcement or not. And I'm okay with that. You know, I, I'm really intrigued to see what he does on these shows. Again, I I wish he was in Gate full-time and just in a unit. I wish he was a Drangate guy yet again. But if he's going to be in and out the way he is, kind of one-footed each camp, I think the part-time schedule is favorable for everybody.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's just something that, like, I— If he did not show, if he was not announced for the show, that would have been more of a surprise for me than him being announced for this. Like it's, it's something though that knowing that there will be a show in Kobe this weekend, or no Kyoto, a show in Kyoto this weekend, that will be the interesting thing because I don't think they've announced anything for Kyoto yet, or at least rosters for it.
1: I want to make one more point about Corkin before we move on. Sort of circling back to the rookies, and that this is going to be the third month in a row. August, September, and now October, where Mochizuki Jr. and Ishinihashi have had an announced match before the show begins. And although it's purely speculative, there's no way to ever get hard data on this. If this show does 1,000 plus, I, I yeah, I, I'll say, because anything under 1,000 is a disappointment. That's just the, the scale that Dragon Gate works on. September did 1,100. And if this show does that again or more, we really have to look at Mochizuki Jr. and Ishinihashi being Corkin specific draws. I, do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, no. I, I, I think that, especially
2: if you look at how Mochizuki Jr. since debuting in June has been highlighted every single month in, in Korkin, and Corken and keeping in mind the fact that both of these guys are Tokyo based like and, and not far from uh cork and hall <laughs> so yeah i i do think that they are starting to develop into i don't know if i would say like a company-wide draw but i think that we're starting to see evidence at least with Ishin and and mochizuki jr that there is a faith here about them in this building and i think that that's just patently obvious if you look at how they, they've been booked it would would make sense
1: if this is the building that that draws the hardcore fan they are going to be into this story and again you know we'll we'll delete the tapes lucha underground style if this show draws 750 and we'll just move on but i don't expect this show to do under a thousand and i think at some point just given data just given reasoning you have to look to those two guys as I, I think there are people buying some tickets to see them.
2: Well, I mean, look at when they did the Fathers and Sons tag match. Like there were the whole entire front row hard camp side wearing Easton Ricky T-shirts like Easton family T-shirts. So, yeah, like I think there are people at this point and I think that was some of the strategy. So it, it, it's something, though, about like the hardcores. I didn't necessarily think about as much, but I think but I think you're right about that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking forward to the show. I think it's going to be very fun. I, I'm into anything natural vibes and Zebrats related. And that rookie stuff is extremely my shit.
2: Absolutely. Support for Open the Voice Gate this week comes to you, us by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh uh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit and case we can have our pumpkin spice and eat it to a rotating selection of fall inspired items from hello fresh market from brunch kits to a fall dessert board you'll find everything you need for all of your favorite fall occasions such as tailgating oktoberfest and more and case like for me specifically i do like having a little bit more of like a i don't know if if it's comfort food but i i'm not like a soups person but I, I look at Hello Fresh and they have stuff like the chicken ramen and a Shoyu style broth. I'm like, oh, that is definitely me getting into fall season. I, I I feel like that I peak and thrive in fall, and Hello Fresh is helping me to do so.
1: I hate this time of the year. It makes me extremely sad. It makes me extremely uncomfortable. But the good news is I can eat my feelings with HelloFresh. When they're offering me meals, like the one-pan shrimp tortellini, when they're giving delivering to my doorstep grilled onion cheeseburgers, among other things, I'm going, okay, hold on. All of a sudden, this temperature change isn't that bad. I can stay inside, lock the doors, and eat away whatever invasive thoughts I'm having, and it's all thanks to our friends at HelloFresh
2: i just saw that they have something that is lunchbox with herb ricotta the, the, we have reached the point that they are doing full-on fancy adult lunchables of hello <laughs>
1: I am... the, the highest compliment
2: a meal kit can, can receive no 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 i i like that is the kind of thing that like i like look at this i'm like you know on a oh our thursdays our, our saturdays and sundays now i mean like there's a lot of things competing for us here but like for college football saturdays I would love to get into some sourdough, cucumber, mandarins, grapes, nuts, and seeds. And I'm looking at this dip. I think it's the Ziki dip. Like that, like that's the kind of stuff you're able to get through HelloFresh. And it's exciting to see what they are doing for the fall season. And how do you get in on HelloFresh? Well, you go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW65. That's VOW65 and use code VOW65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash VOW65 and use code VOW65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit.
1: How's your football team doing, Mike?
2: Well, I didn't have to watch football this Saturday, guys. So it, better, better. I'm glad you're asking me. Today and not last week. Last you're, week you're glad uh, I'm.
1: I'm asking you post hurricane when you couldn't watch your football team because your city was under attack.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. They had last week off. No, the problem was oh, two okay, weeks that's, ago. That's they,
1: right. Okay, all right.
2: Two weeks ago, they suffered one of the most ignoble Miami defeats. Which they they, they do this a lot. They do this a lot. Case where they just like go and it's like, hey, uh Middle Tennessee State, uh we're going to give you the game of a lifetime, and we're doing this at home, and. Uh, have fun with that. So you know what? I'm I'm doing pretty okay with that. Uh, uh, the Rams. ha I, as someone who does not even check on NFL at all. Uh, Rams doing okay?
1: No, doing I'm I, I wanted to walk into traffic last night watching their game. I don't I don't know what is wrong with this team. This, it, this is a very interesting NFL season in which the quality of games has been excellent, but the Rams and my fantasy football team are both horrible. And I was thinking last night, I was like, we're four weeks into NFL season. I am not having fun. I I have hated this season so much. Every Sunday is stressful. I don't like it at all. I don't know what's wrong with this team. We roster like seven running backs and none of them can run. Stafford is playing like he's on the Lions again. It It is really unpleasant and i i haven't talked to joe lands about the rams this year i don't know if he's more bullish on them than i am but i this this is a a playoff team who will lose in the first round is is my current feeling
2: you see like it's something that like emotionally like i got out of nfl a long time ago like as a chargers fan like i had that sinking feeling every year like no matter what, and it was like we have one of the uh, best running backs in generation, a decent quarterback. Why is it this way? Why is that this way? And and especially like a, I had to imagine so deflating after the Super Bowl too, like going out two and two to start the year.
1: You know, the Super Bowl was like a big thing for me because even the like the Dodgers won a World Series a few years ago, but it was one. It was the COVID year, and that World Series wasn't even fun because. I had just watched them lose to the Astros and the Red Sox. And I was just, I was like, I'm at a point in baseball where I care more about the White Sox than I do the Dodgers, just because I'm kind of sick of the Dodgers. Like they won 110 games and I'm just like, ugh, they're going to lose in the uh, National League uh, championship series. So who cares? Uh, but the Rams Super Bowl was the first time that like a team that I love, that I was invested in, my team had won a championship and it was, it was great. And I was hoping they were going to double down this year, but they're not playing like that right now
2: yeah no i uh, compl- i i it's interesting how like college football and NFL are two completely different things at this point because I very much like came in this year going like hey Miami like we I don't think we're gonna like go be a playoff team, but we should be in the aCC championship and ACC uh play has not even started, and I've told my girlfriend'm it's like i I warned her, it's like Miami games like I will be a ball of stress for about four hours and usually I it's a miserable experience for me don't have to sit through me this and watch this but there is a point each year where Miami starts suffering dumb losses where I smarten up and decide I have better things to do with my Saturday and we might have reached that before conference play this year
1: which is a remarkable feat uh do you do you like watching sports with other people uh yeah
2: I I, I'm not like a solo sports watcher like I'm not like someone like this I, I think over the last like years of like covid living by myself working from home before covid like i got kind of used to like that kind of thing but like whenever like i visit family or like friends like we'll like have on games and like i'll watch with them it is something though if like if a team or like a driver i am is like in a game though then it completely changes it like i i will put on some action tomorrow and i will have a great time because because it's just like out there and like this, but if Miami is in the game, uh, so Miami played Texas A&M four, three weeks ago, right? Like, and it was, Miami was coming in looking pretty good and they really like, other, some bad calls and a couple bad throws and Miami should have won that game there. I did not sit down for about two and a half hours while I was at a place where I could sit down because I just had to stand and pace. That's the kind of sports fan I
1: am. I see... That's interesting. I don't picture you as that guy at all because I, I ask because I have a really hard time watching sports with people. I am a very much a solo watcher and somebody who doesn't like when people get animated watching sports. Uh, I was not expecting you to be to be as a tonight. I almost felt like we could get along and just like I'm going to watch the game very closely. I'm going to be very into it, but I'm not going to be weird about it. But oh, it seems I'm not like weird. It, it, no, it I seems just like you're stand. a little weird about it. I. I, I it's something
2: that i feel less anxious if i'm standing like i'll have full conversations and we could like discuss the breakdown of a of a uh, of a pass coverage like i could totally do that it's just i i gotta be standing up if miami's playing i gotta move around
1: understandable all right where are we at on this show (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i I lost track
2: (laughs) we lost track pretty much when we hit record this week uh excursion stuff uh we had black label pro and deadlock that has happened over the last few weeks i know that we both were kind of trying to piece together some stuff to watch for this week we didn't necessarily get to as much stuff as we wanted to but uh this week we, we got to see more of the uh, uh, shun skywalker and sb kento on the uh, american indies case uh deadlock they had a match with uh jack evans originally supposed to have andrew everett and be a tag became a three-way and then also, Shun Skywalker was in Black Label Pro's Turbo Graphs 24 and faced the Space Monkey, and then was in a three-way dance.
1: Can I tell you something, Mike? What's up? I did not watch this Black Label Pro show. I there are there are so many hours <laughs> in the day. I I have had such a busy few weeks with my shoot job, and when it came time as I got home today from just an ungodly stressful day where I, I I got home and I thought it was like six o'clock and I realized, Oh no, it's, it's 3 PM. I just, I sucked out all of my energy, uh, from noon to two today. Uh, God put me on this earth for a finite amount of time. And I can't spend that time watching black label pro if they had booked Shun versus like Jake something or, not the space monkey i would have given it a shot but i please tell me everything about this black label pro show because i did not watch it
2: well i only watch shun's matches cuz i've watched enough black label pro in my life to know that they don't value my time so i only watch the shun stuff uh the the space monkey match space monkey is not a bad wrestler at all no just, no
1: no beef with the space monkey let no. me be clear because he i talented it's, talented the, the, wrestler the, actually the space monkey realistically could be listening to this podcast no beef with the space monkey but shun skywalkers in america for two months and space monkey wasn't on my cody like list of shun skywalker matches
2: and, and it's something that like yeah it's like playing to the audience so they that that shun worked like the one thing i'll say is like shun is someone who thrives just working in these indie shows like i think that the 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 stuff that he, the the crowd work that we've seen him do both in Mexico and uh, and on other stuff like he he's thriving with it there so he worked like a uh, like he's much bigger than than Space Monkey like, like I think it's very clear how they could work the match it's just it, it's interesting like with Black Label Pro presentation commentary uh, just everything about it and you just watch it and you're like okay Shun versus Space Monkey this match was a good match. The Space Monkey gimmick is just one of those things that and just like the whole entire package, and it's nothing against Space Monkey, but it's just the whole entire package of everything there. I'm like, shooting Skywalker feels so much more above this than <laughs> doing this? Especially like when you like you looked at like I don't know. Like I don't promote shows and I I would not promote with my own money, but I like I look at like these crowds and I'm just like, okay, well, obviously something that is not right here and it just was there was a sheen of that but i mean she didn't look good she not like working with the crowd uh no one knows what the ssw or the blaster is and that's kind of annoying but people don't do their homework then that's what you get
1: it's interesting in the way that drangate has guys working for black little pro and mlw and Black Label Pro is always the company where it's one really good wrestler against one really bad wrestler and you think why why would you book this? There's so many better options whereas MLW is the promotion that will book two really good guys against each other and the match will never be as good as you want it to be, which raises the question I know the world of MLW is on tape delay, but when are we getting any of this Dragon gate footage? I haven't even seen La Streia stuff from June, let alone sb kento versus davy richards which i really want to see
2: yeah i have uh no idea like i went looking and like they have like clips teasing but they don't have a date or anything like that uh i'm intrigued by shun and myron reed so myron reed was a part of the three-way match and the little bit of shun and myron reed that they had there i'm intrigued by what that middleweight match was like like uh, i know that you're higher on myron reed than i am but i was like okay i i definitely see these two guys having chemistry and I I can't believe that we're more enthused about what's happening in MLW. The world of MLW never stops than... I, just I,
1: on tape delay. <laughs> just on tape delay. I, I mean,
2: it, it's paused. It's not stopped. It It's on pause. All, all court has to do is hit play. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I'm very glad to hear that Shun versus Myron Reed seems to have worked out because although the match that... Uh, that I, I that, that match is not going to come to fruition, but I that was a match that I lobbied certain promoters to to book. So I'm glad to hear that my instincts are once again correct.
2: Hey, I, somehow the, between the two of us, I somehow shadow booked Shun and, and GCW, and you figured out MLW storylines.
1: And and you're the one correct that reached out to Circle Six Wrestling and booked Estrella versus Jake Chris. That was your doing, right? I I, I mean he is.
2: In the most canceled Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, so why not go to the second most canceled promotion that's on WWE? Law
1: is going to come back to America as like a hard, or come back to Japan rather as like a hard right conservative. Like he is getting undeniably the worst American experience ever, and I hope he's having a good time. He's like, you he know, seems like,
2: like he's he's having the best time.
1: Every everybody that I've talked to that has had contact with Australia is like. All this dude wants to do is wrestle. He just wants to get booked, and he's having a really good time abroad. But then you look at his Instagram and you see what he's doing, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like, I I think he's like t- he's trying to get his COVID vaccine taken out of him with the people he's hanging out with. Like, who knows what he thinks now?
2: I I, I mean, it just I I I just like have the thought in my mind. It's like, okay, ten years from now, La Shreya, let let's see what's that what what that's going to result in. You know? <laughs> yeah. 10 years now like him and dragon gate what's going to happen with that 10 years now like like if he's able to start bringing people in here i don't think like 50 year old jake crest needs to show up in dragon gate ever but he might have that idea and you know what it's good to have some ideas some ideas not that one but some ideas
1: if if the drangate office is listening a thumbs up to Radioactivo and a thumbs down to jake christ that is my professional <laughs> opinion <laughs> if i may say so myself <laughs> really
2: really going out on the ledge there look
1: i've never i've never laced up a pair of boots before but i'm going to give the thumbs down to jake christ and drangate
2: <laughs> so deadlock deadlock they had this uh zebrats versus kind of like Jack Evans and Andrew Everett, like a really kind of cool match Everett pulled out, made it into a three-way. They did a, they, they did a backstage kind of like segment. It was something that was very DGUSA core where Shun Skywalker was trying to explain to SP Kento that they were opponents now. And that carried on into the match where SP Kento never really got what a three-way match was, but he seemed like he was having the time of his life figuring it out.
1: I thought the presentation here was really strong. Uh, this is about the best that i would hope for from a deadlock pro type company and i will not in terms of quality but just in terms of the little bit that i know about the promotion i would lump them in and tell me if this is unfair i would lump them into the same category as a black label pro or a game changer or one of these indies that is a, a modern indie. They have that vibe. They have that presentation, even if Deadlock overall is a little bit cleaner. I liked that the announcers didn't get themselves into murky waters here. They understood that shoot and SB Kento were big deals. They presented them as such, but we weren't getting history lessons from a Wikipedia page. You know, they, they didn't go out of their depth here. They seemed delightfully surprised by these guys as well as the audience, because it didn't really seem like anybody knew who... S.B. Kinto and Shun Skywalker were either. I would expect a little bit more from your West Coast Pro Defy prestige crew. Those announcers, I want them to be a little bit more dialed into who these guys are and what they do. But for what my interpretation of what Deadlock is, I was very happy with all of this.
2: The one thing I'll say, like with that, the caveat of you should know what the guy's finish is called if you're calling a match you should know what the guy's finish is called
1: that's fair that's fair
2: but 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 the rest of that yeah no like i think deadlock pro like and i don't really want to like completely lump them in with your gcws and black label pros but there is a common thread there that you kind of see that that uh production looks solid uh looked everything like looked a lot more professionally done than Others of their ilk, I think that's fair to say. I mean, maybe outside of like, if like Black Label Pro has IWTV people there, and IWTV people aren't letting the Black Label Pro people get too involved with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, deadlock is fine. I, I'm gonna go and watch that. Uh, violence. Uh, what, what's the name of the Kevin Koo Dom greeny team? Violence Unlimited or whatever. I, I'm gonna uh, go watch. The... Violence is forever. Yeah, I'm gonna go watch them versus the Workhorsemen on that show. I, I have no reason to believe that's going to be a bad match.
2: Oh, I, I'll say this. There was enough there that I I know that was in Raleigh, and Raleigh is, is a hike for me. But if it was something that, like, out of the stuff that runs in the area, like GCW, the stuff that does tapings in Atlanta, the stuff that does tapings in Charlotte, if they were running in like the Western Carolinas or if they are running somehow in Greenville, like, it definitely would be. The, the, this is something I'm like, okay, like, it's modern, but doesn't like, does not feel like. Just like the obnoxious sheen that you get sometimes from GCW and those of that ilk. I was kind of impressed.
1: So overall, Deadlock far more satisfying than Black Label Pro?
2: Yeah, no, no, for sure. I, but, but I think that they were beforehand. So it just kind of confirmed our biases there.
1: For sure. All right. What about the upcoming schedule? A lot of Drangate in USA coming up and Drangate in Mexico too, which I'm I'm honestly more excited about.
2: Yeah, so coming up that we have there's just like circle six, yes, that is happening. As well, we have coming up the West Coast Pro uh uh Brian Keith versus Benke, the only uh Binke date outside of Japan other than when he worked in Singapore. In his entire career. It's gonna be that match. Like he has this visa and who knows what's up with like people trying to book Benke. Just guess just I that. have
1: I have no info on the Ben K thing. I've asked multiple people what the deal with this West Coast pro booking is, and they're all like, We we don't know. It's I don't know <laughs> if he's just working this show and coming back. I don't know if he's gonna pop up on Indy's later i don't know how long he's in america i have no info he is just randomly on this west coast pro show that i am looking forward to because it's west coast pro and i think they do a great job
2: yeah and then as well this weekend, gcw The they are in uh the they're, they're at in lake city right this weekend
1: yes yeah so that is yamato and shun on those shows
2: yeah i mean i just was trying to pull up the match cards for those two shows i know that yamato has already been announced for uh What's it it wasn't uh what's this i'm blanking on this uh i'm scrolling why don't you already have a pin up top what your show cards are i feel oh, why so would, not- why
1: would gcw make something easy to find that would be a professional operation yeah
2: why would gcw have any of their cards anything visible like this this is i i would it's June love to... versus
1: speedball this weekend isn't it
2: it is yeah because it's yamato versus gresham in two weeks
1: Ugh. okay well you know, can't win them all. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like, hey. I'm just there, glad there's they a have lot a... of devi- there's a lot of divisiveness in the AEW locker room. But boy, was Tony Khan right about Jonathan Gresham. That's all. That's all I'll say.
2: Yeah. So it is on Saturday. It is Nick Wayne versus Shun Skywalker, and it's Deppen. Deppen was named. I was drawing a blank on versus Yamato.
1: Okay. All right. I, I, I'm into those. I Deppin, Deppin will work hard. I am intrigued yeah. to see what that match will look like.
2: And I would say that Deppen probably meshes very well with what Yamato would want to do, too.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a decade since Yamato's wrestled in America, so it's I, I have no idea what his level of enthusiasm is, what he plans on doing, how hard he plans on working. But Deppen will work hard, so I'm intrigued by that.
2: Yeah, and then Shun Skywalker versus Nick Wayne. I mean, uh, first of all, everyone's welcome for my booking decision. This is. It, it, it made clear clear sense you have one of the top 10 wrestlers in the world coming in against one of the uh, hottest uh rookies wrestlers under the age of 20 and we've seen shoot Skywalker have these matches before and I think that's something that with like Nick Wayne this could be a really big highlight match and it's something that it, it's gonna frustrate me a little bit I'll be honest the fact that everyone's like I can't imagine your motto is actually this good you got to wrestle Nick Wayne when all the while it's like no it, it it's uh, sorry shooting Skywalkers wrestling nick wayne no no shun skywalker is this amazing
1: and then they got shun versus a uh, commander at some point which i'm i'm really into as well yep in detroit yeah that's that's good stuff you know I, as much as i love making fun of gcw because i do think largely what they do sucks they have done a very good job with the Gate guy so more power to them
2: yeah no that is booked real that is booked uh as well as one can hope i would say uh Will you be watching, however, on Friday as they, as GCW streams War Ready from uh t- earlier today on the Fight Network?
1: No, I'm not. No, I'm <laughs> this Friday. They're doing that. <clears throat> yep, they're doing it this Friday.
2: I didn't know if you needed like to check it on Strong Hearts again
1: no i'm i'm going on a date on friday i'm not watching gcw (laughs) i'm not i'm not doing that there's no scenario in which i'm sitting at home on a friday rubbing my hands together firing up a gcw show i will be pirating the Gate matches after the fact because i don't want to give brett money i'm not no i'm not what's the the situation war room what's the show called it's war ready and uh strong
2: hearts aren't on it. So yeah. Uh though they're oh, really you know proud about selling out uh, Shinkiba first ring. They're very proud about selling out Shinkiba first. You know what I, I would ring. be
1: too? I can't if I was a US indie promoter and I sold out Shinkiba first ring, I would also be psyched about that. So I can't I can't make fun of them. But I guess. Okay, so this isn't even the this isn't even the good show because there's the GCW dead on arrival that has Shima Lindemann and T-Hawk versus Janella, Jordan Oliver, and Nick Wayne, and that I would like to watch. Uh, I will not be watching the June Kasai versus Effie deathmatch on that show. I would rather not do that. I was going to say something really mean, but I'll just stop it. I would rather not watch June Kasai versus Effie.
2: Hey, hey, hey GCW and Freedoms drew 820 this week.
1: Christ. For, uh, Freedoms so that is, draw, draw
2: surprisingly well in Cork, especially when they base off around June Kasai. Surprisingly well, I would say.
1: It's why I'm intrigued by the Gleet show that is going to be on the 7th, because they've got Kaito Ishida's debut and Junka Sai in the main event, and if that show does another like shitty 700 fans, then I, you know, look, I want Gleet to succeed, because I, I'm really worried about the overall state of the the industry right now in Japan, but if that show does 700, then, you know, whoa, that says all we need to know about Gleet.
2: Yep. I would say so about that too. Case to close out this week, you had an idea you pitched to me yesterday that I have. I've spreadsheets devoted to this now. So Re-
1: real quick, I want to. I want to also note that the the Mas Lucha Supremo first Supremo first round matchups on October seventh are this week and I don't know off the top of my head and Cubs don't get mad at me I don't know if this is a one-night tournament or if just the first round matchups are this week but Shun Skywalker is in this it is Charlie Manson versus Puma King Arrow Boy versus uh, Commander Jack Evans versus Shun Skywalker and Tonali versus Dragon Lee there is a very realistic chance we get Shun versus Dragon Lee which I am ecstatic about
2: yeah, no, that'd be really, really sick. You asked me earlier this week what well, we might be getting Shun versus uh, Dragon Lee, and I thought you were talking about a triple mania and not this show.
1: <laughs> I mean, that'd be cool too, but I cool think it's so just going to be on an indie show.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it just so happens that about that. Yeah, no, and then Hania, a very mysterious person who may or may not be uh, Takuma Fujiwara, already has a mask match coming
1: up. It's crazy. It, it is. I, I God, I he's he's so good. He is so good. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm pumping. It's him versus Radioactivo. That's gonna fucking rock. I I yeah. hope that is a genuinely great match. I
2: really, yeah. Especially like it's interesting that they have like kind of paired him with uh, Radioactivo. This is like the second match that uh, th- that Shun Skywalker has had with Jack Evans in a period of two weeks. Like interesting it's in the family way
1: it's it's family jack evans yes he y- y- yes he's marketing himself as the only guy that got kicked out of the dragon gate dojo but ultimately he's family
2: I, he if, if that's how he's choosing to market himself then he needs to talk about his former gym next partner before that
1: <laughs> what assignment did i give you this week Mike? let's let, let's land this plane
2: yeah let's land this plane so case uh pitched that we we're we're doing mixtapes but we're doing match of the month mixtapes and uh uh, we didn't really have any uh framework with this case was there is there anything else that you wanted me to keep in mind when i made my list this week
1: no uh we needed something to talk about this week and although i doubt there is anybody that listens to this podcast and the axe to grind podcast I am a big fan of what they do, and they do a lot of fun games on their show, and they're a show that talks about hardcore punk music, and this seemed like something they might do, so I asked Mike to pick his favorite match from every month on the calendar, January to December, and I did the same, and hopefully this is a segment devoted to guys remembering dudes.
2: Yeah, so I kind of took the mixtape idea to heart, so I didn't pick, like, the best match in each month. But I pick like ones that I think that when you take my list of twelve, you'll get an accurate representation of the dragons.
1: I think that's great. I would like to hear your January.
2: So my January match is from January sixteenth, twenty fourteen. It is Masato Yoshino versus uh, Masaki Mochizuki. Masaki Mochizuki's twentieth anniversary match for the Open the Dream Gate title.
1: I think we will line up in two months, and January is one of them. I had a few other matches down here. Milano Collection versus Rio Saito from 2005. BB Hulk and Kai versus, or I'm sorry, BB Hulk and Shingo versus Speed Muscle from 2008. And BB Hulk and Kai versus Jason Lee and Coach Minora from 2021. All matches I considered, but realistically, there are very few matches that I've ever seen that are better than Mochizuki versus Yoshino from January 16th of 2014. This is a desert island pick this is a hey if you're new to drangate watch this pick this is just an all-timer between two of the all-time best
2: yeah it just was something that like i guess like there is the uh 2018 mochizuki versus kz match that you could put in here for that but for me like I identify this match with january very visibly uh february uh What would you have for february
1: I went uh, with not a KZ match here. I think that is the uh, a, a very safe way to go. KZ has a number of matches that you could point to from this month. That would be a safe pick. But I went to a personal favorite of mine, probably the closest to a a five-star match that I have without being an actual five-star match, and that is February 4th, 2016, Losing Unit Disband's three-way 12-man tag team elimination match. Berserk of Kotoka, Naruki Doi, Shingo Takagi, and Yamato defeating Akira Tozawa, Masato Yoshino, Sachi Hoka Boy, and T-Hawk of Monster Express, and the Dia Hearts uh, Quartet of Big R Shimizu, Drenkid, KZ, and Masaki Mochizuki. So I guess KZ is in that match. His February is unbelievable.
2: <laughs> yeah no like he's the last person in dia hearts in that match
1: yes yeah that that was that was an early uh, like oh what does the future hold for kz match obviously the year before 2015 he has that champion game Osaka match with uh for the brave gate belt which is really when we start to see his transformation but here was a very specifically focused okay kz is now more important than he was before this match type of match he it's that's that's remarkable he's i i didn't even i tried to not pick a KZ match and he's still in this one
2: <laughs> well i picked a match with a similar vibe i did not pick that one it was between this match and this and yours mine is the uh seven on seven i'm not gonna list all 14 wrestlers in this match uh elimination uh no loser revised in this one Blood Warriors versus Junction 3. Loser must disbands match. The end of the Blood Warriors and Junction 3 feud. I just wanted to have something that was a match that they only attempted once. And they have never done since. And this one told so many stories. You have the uh, turn on Shima at the end. You have basically setting up like, okay, we're now exiting this era of this one-on-one feud. And now we are now fully like positioning ourselves into the big six era really coming out of this and it, in a lot of ways i could have picked something else from the blood warriors junction 3 feud but i felt like that this kind of in a lot of ways displays nearly everything it has all the major characters of the feud here it was just like a fantastic way to kind of end this and sadly we'll never have the full 77 minute version of this match
1: I was just about to say, holy grail that that really doesn't exist is the full version of this match. I would love to see it. But alas, this is a great pick. This is a match that I haven't watched in five, five or six years. I mean, it has been a really long time since I've revisited this. And and I would like to at some point, because obviously all of the Blood Warriors versus Junction 3 stuff delivers. But this was this is a very special match
2: yeah yeah and it just is something that in a lot of ways just kind of like encapsulated an era for me uh for march i have kind of encapsulating an era in a way it was a short era but it's from march 6 2019 pack versus shun skywalker
1: why this match that's a very interesting pick
2: i wanted to have a pack match on here like again mixtape idea and shun skywalker i i've I I could very easily have picked, like, Shun Skywalker, like, okay, he had that title defense versus uh, uh, Kazma Sakamoto or something like this and just had a whole lot of Shun Skywalker on this one. But this was kind of the match that really, like, propelled Shun into what he would come back as in 2020. And then Pac being what I feel like is, like, the best character of a champion in the last 20 years in this. And, of course, it's it's Sasaka number two, Shun goes flying a lot, and Pac is a bastard.
1: You know, there's a lot of a lot of good picks in March. this was a pretty loaded month. Uh, you know, February and March, particularly a lot of high end matches here. Kenta and Taiji Ishimori versus Shingo Takagi and BB Hulk on my short list here. A number of Champion Gate matches: Mochizuki versus Benkei, the aforementioned Pak versus Shun Skywalker, uh, Doi versus Susumu, and Shun versus Ashida, all on my honorable mention list. But Mike, I I went. In a similar direction to you, I wanted a Pac match as well, and I went Pac versus Shima from 2012, uh, 3-4-12, one of my favorite Dreamgate matches of all time, and a a demonstration of, although it's not the best singles match of either man's career, it is just such an impressive match. I just, I this is one of those where, for all of the faults that people claim this style has, for as many people that, that just can't get into Dreamgate for whatever it is, I really question people that could watch Pac versus Shima and not just lose their minds over how good these guys are.
2: Yeah, and like Pac's twenty twelve, like leading up until he he departed, was like really like they were positioning him that if he did not leave, Ricochet took his position in twenty fourteen, but it would have happened the next year, I think.
1: Well, look look at the the urgency in which they put the belt on him when he came back. I mean, Pac was. You're exactly right. He was in line for everything Ricochet had. It just took him a lot longer to get there.
2: Yeah. Uh, what was your April match?
1: A few different options here. I think the Kness retirement match from this year has to be mentioned. That, that is a match that I don't know if you and I have slept on it, but I, I think we are weirdly the low people on that match. So that was one that I thought about. Uh, Shingo versus Dragon Kid from King of Gate 2010. Another one that I that I thought about. Genki Horiguchi versus Shima from 2003, I'll Numero Uno was going to be my pick, and then right before we started recording, I said, "Wait a minute! One of my favorite matches of all time took place in April, April of 2019, to be exact. Super Shisa versus Ut from Prime Zone,
2: and that is one of the places where we've matched up.
1: Yeah, this is." You know, it, if you ask Super Shisa, it's become a legendary match overseas. And thank you to our friend uh, for putting that <laughs> in his ear. But this is, this is as good as it gets if you are a Yave pervert like myself, Mike and Helico.
2: Yeah, no, it is phenomenal what they were doing in that small theater before COVID. And it just was, I almost put in the uh, Jimmy's, the original Jimmy's versus Amigo tag. That was my runner-up for this month, but I just... It, it's one of my favorite matches in his, in the history of the promotion. It's just a very cool match that, like, you could not put that match at Kobe World. You could not put that match in Corkin That match really needed to be in a very intimate setting, and that's, like, weirdly enough, when we talk about, like, the partures, like, weirdly the one that, like, hurts for me in, like, a particular way, is she just because, like, these, like, special like little like 10 minute uh, technical exhibitions you would have on a monthly basis with people.
1: If Shisa made tape, it was something that I would, I I mean, I watch everything. I've watched everything on the network this year, minus the, the two dead or alive road Two shows in Kyoto, just because of timing. It just was not feasible for me this year. And I've watched 75, 80% of what's hit YouTube. When a Shisa match made TV, I sat down and I focused and I watched it. He is one of my favorite wrestlers to watch of all time. He is working and Mike you can speak to this a little bit. He is working the sleaziest, grimiest bottom of the barrel Japanese indie shows right now and I really wish there was footage of it because as long as he continues to wrestle, I'm going to want to see what he looks like in the ring and I'm so bummed that, you know, uh, he he's no longer he no longer has a home in Drangate even if, you know, long term it's for the best because he he's not the wrestler that he once was. I still enjoy watching him more than just about anybody else.
2: Case, if you feel comfortable about using Twitcasting, I can get you some cheese. uh. I I literally don't –
1: actually, I don't understand Twitcasting because remember – Oh, the action shows, yeah. Or was it like OWE Japan was running on Twitcasting and we had people going like, hey – there's like good matches on these shows how do i watch them and we we're like we don't fucking know like i can't help you <laughs> these shows are impossible to find
2: but like the weird thing with the owe ones it like they were owe and name only and they quickly they, they started ch- calling them action shows and they, they first were like a art gallery that shima found in osaka that would let him put up a ring and he would record it it would stream from his ipad it was very just. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right <laughs> it, it, it,
2: it, it's something that like i talk about liking the dark arts case i have a, <laughs> I have a scene deck what game did it was i really focused on making sure i play on my scene deck bubsy from the sega genesis why is that because i can shima did these shows because he could if you're someone who like wanted to watch those shows that's all power to you but i mean we all have our dark arts we love but maybe, in case maybe we I, can should be- the, <laughs> I can get you into some real dark arts if you really want to watch some super I It also
1: has some Men's Tejo in there. I'm good on that. I'm good on Prime Men's Tejo, let alone 2022 Men's Tejo. <laughs> I, you know, maybe we should be nicer to Gleet because it's easy to forget that two years ago Shiba was running art galleries, and now it's like, well, he only did 700 in Cork, and it's like, well, he did 700 in Cork, and let's all fucking relax, okay? Shiba's doing okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I mean, he was always going to do okay.
1: Ugh, uh, yeah, uh, it's he. Look, he stays winning. He's like Jeff Jarrett.
2: Yeah, uh, for May, I
1: had a couple options with May. This was the one I actually
2: I changed up last. I decided to go from May fifth, twenty sixteen, the Dead or Alive cage match: Yamato versus Shingo Takagi versus Naruki Doi versus CyberConk versus Naoki Tanazaki versus Katoka. I just felt like this is the uh, I I with like my mixtape theme. Like I needed to have a Dragon Gate cage match. It was probably going to be in the May slot. And this was the best one they've ever done.
1: It's the best cage match they've ever done. It is my number two pick here. If I am going for a match, and by the way, if you haven't seen that Dead or Alive cage match from 2016, uh, stop this podcast, go watch it. It's essential viewing. It's
2: It's on the network.
1: Yeah, it is really. That was, I mean, I've said it before. I, I think that run from Dead or Alive 2016, everything that's laid out there, that was such a phenomenal King of Gate tournament that then led into that Kobe world show, which weirdly isn't even a great Kobe world, but I just think it, it, we talked about this a few months ago. I think Yamato versus Shingo on that show is perfectly done. That is, that was a really special time in Dragon Gate, And I don't, I don't think we've really had a run like that ever since where it just, it felt so massive and so many people were into the promotion. That's, you know, that's the summer of eta uh, not only him versus Tozawa twice, but him versus Susumu and him versus Liger falling into that time period too. There were just so many things happening that made that point in time really special. And that cage match really kicks it all off. But if I am going mixtape logic, if I'm going with a personal favorite, if I'm going with a match that means something to me, I'm going to May 9th, 2014. I'm going Akira Tozawa versus T-Hawk, which headlined that King of Gate, Cork, and Hall show. That was the match. I had been a very casual i uh, fan of Gate at that point uh for about six months you know i i knew i knew the main eventers i knew the general storylines that were going on i was watching the guys that i knew and that i liked and watching that show in full headline with t-hawk versus tozawa that was the show that made me go okay this is this is my new thing and that match is uh a good reminder of how great akira tozawa was and a good reminder of what could have been with t-hawk
2: Yeah, Akira Tozawa in May, because my backup match was Akira Tozawa versus Eita from King of Gate 2016 there. That's
1: that's funny, because on my list is Tozawa versus Shingo from 2015, which I thought was like, those guys had the really famous Kobe world match, but I always feel like that King of Gate 2015 match gets slept on for whatever reason. That is every bit as good as the world match.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it's kind of remarkable. Uh, What did you have for June as well?
1: June, I went back uh, quite a ways. I went to 2005, June 22nd, 2005 to be exact. The Shima, Don Fuji, Magnitude Kishiwada, Masato Yoshino, Naruki Doyen, Shingo Takagi versus Anthony W. Mori, BB Hulk, Dragon Kid, Genki Horiguchi, Naoki Tanazaki, and Rio Ryo Saito match. This is the... Uh, start of Magnitude Kishiwana. This is where he turns heel and joins Blood Generation in the match before, and so they restart the main event as a 12-man tag with Paz Hearts and do Fixer teaming up, and it is pure chaos. There, there, there's this match and then the Triangle Gate stuff that they did at the July 2005 Quirk and Hall show, which, again, not on the network. It's it's a real bummer. I, I, I know consciously I was trying to pick stuff that people could watch. I know they can't with this, but... These are sort of the hidden gems of 2005. People talk about Milano versus Saito. They talk about the two out of three falls triangle gate match. They talk about Kobe world, obviously. But the June 12 man with Magneto Kishiwata debuting and the subsequent two out of three falls July triangle gate match are four and three quarter star tags they are excellent they are as any th- as good as almost anything in the company that year and 2005 was one of the best years in company history so if you can find that match i highly recommend you watch it
2: yeah Kishiwada coming in like that like i i always have a soft spot for the old big boss so like the way he came in like this and it it, it was just like a chaos is the right way to describe it just like the way that especially like blood generation and then like how blood generation will quickly change over the next like 18 months because of Kishiwada. I always thought it was kind of cool.
1: Yeah. It, it's a great angle because the show was supposed to be headlined by Shima versus Kishiwada in a singles match. At this point, he's big boss magma and they go, they do a no contest deal. I, I forget exactly how they get into it, but it leads to, okay, big boss magma is now magnitude Kishiwada and this match is only an eight-minute match, but it is eight minutes of unbridled fury. I mean, there's really nothing... There, there's nothing in wrestling now. Like, there's not a recent match I can think of that really compares to the way that this comes across. The fury of the wrestlers mixed in with that White Hot Cork and crowd. It's it's kind of a one-in-a-million type match, and I, I think it's worth mentioning here.
2: So my June match is from June 4th, 2016. Jimmy Susumu versus Aita. I... Before I changed, I almost had two straight Ada matches. I wanted to celebrate the Summer of Ata here, but I like this match more than the Tazawa match, so I went with this one and did the uh, cage match instead. This is just the peak of Babyface Ata, like really showing the leading man potential, breaking out like insane moves like the Salamander and the Apocalypse this, It just was phenomenal stuff. Some, some of the best uh, Babyface Junior heavyweight stuff I think I've seen over the last decade and a half, I would say.
1: I talked about it 2 weeks ago. Ata's the most frustrating wrestler of my lifetime. There's no one <laughs> there's there's no one where the gap between enjoyment and frustration is as wide as his. Like he's just maddening and it's not it's not his fault that he hasn't done the arc that I've projected onto him, but you watch May, June, July of 2016 and it was just like, why? Why has not this been his entire career? You know, yes, he can do cool chair spots, and he and he can be this like lazy dickbag heel. But I don't, I don't want that. I just want him doing cool lucharesu stuff. And it's such a bummer that that hasn't happened.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's something that it's like I, I I'm happy he's gained to live his, his his truth, and he's doing what he wants to do. But boy, it, if the right person was in the ear, say, actually trust me being the baby face is more fulfilling that to me i'm more intrigued by that personally but uh, we we have arbitrated ada a lot of uh, my july match is from this year it is easily available on Gower's youtube channel it is from uh ultimo 35 from kobe world weekend july 30th 2022 shun skywalker and diamante versus jackie funky and jason lee it's the best match ever in that building so yeah
1: it's the best match ever in that building. Now I know we did For a Dragon Kobe- Gate. Okay. Well, uh, well, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know of a New Japan match. Like I know they've had great matches there, but I can't think of like the New Japan and Kobe match. Yeah. Okay, that- and that's something. I w- that's something I'll be looking up after the show. That's a good thought exercise. The best. Okay. So we did a Kobe World countdown the week before this show where we did our 10 best Kobe World matches. And obviously, we didn't know this was down the pipeline. And you would put this at number one if you had to redo that list?
2: I mean, it's a five star match. I feel like I'd be dishonest if I didn't have it number one now.
1: I've got, I've got that at five stars. I've got Pac versus Drang or er, Pac and Drang Kid versus Shima and Ricochet at five stars from 2011. And then my pick for July, which is Shima, Don Fuji, and Naruki Doi versus, uh, oh, oh, my goodness. I just forgot the, uh, the, the uh, who's who's the triangle gate team in that match i don't have it down i just have 2005? 2005 Yes, yeah. hold on it is july 3rd 2005 it's only one of my favorite matches of all time <laughs> and of course it is shiwa don fuji naruki doi versus drang kid genki horaguchi and rio saito which is just it's maybe not the best match in Gate history but it is to me what Gate is
2: it, it is the best triangle gate match i would say in history
1: Yes, because, yeah, because I don't have another another Triangle Gate match at five stars. I think Final Gate 2017 with KZ, Hulk, and Yamato versus Yoshino, Doi, and Jason Lee is close, but I think the World 2005 match is better.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, August, what do you have for August?
1: A few different picks here uh, that I could have gone. Uh, August, obviously, the August 30th four-way 12-man tag is iconic. The... Losing unit disbands match the the two count finish for the Mad Blanky versus akoski unit disbands match that is iconic. Aita and Doi, I think, is a match that has aged really well in the sense that I like it a lot in my head. I haven't rewatched it since it happened, but that was on my list. But I am going to go with a match that we talked about when masada Yoshino was approaching his retirement of Doi and Yoshino versus Shingo and Dragon Kid from the finals of the 2008 Summer Adventure Tag League. Going kind of dovetailing what we were talking about last week, do I think the core component of Drangate has changed that much? No. Do I think internally there's a different vision than there was in 2008? No. But to a lot of people, this matches Drangate, and no matter how compelling SP Kento's character work is, or how intriguing we find Shun Skywalker to be, it's not Doi, Yoshino, Shingo, and Dragon Kid, and so it's never going to be good enough, and this was the peak of those four guys doing their thing in the ring together.
2: It's the stuff that Gabe saw and ran back in the United States.
1: Yeah, that is that third that that's the third Dragon Gate USA show, and that match is so unbelievably good. One of the highlights of Dragon USA for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, I did go for tradition here. I did go for the first ever four way six man tag: Crazy Max versus Do Fixer versus M two K versus Italian Connection from August thirtieth, uh, two thousand and three, and I didn't have a three or four way match on this and I felt like I needed to have one of the hallmarks of it so I went with that one
1: no argument for me it is it it is there there there's no other match like it it is a five star match and one of the best I've ever seen
2: so I I've been trying to have this like do like snake wraparounds here I think it's my turn then for September uh you could probably guess this case it is from September 8th 2002 absolutamente mascara contour mascara two out of three falls dragon kid versus darkness dragon in my opinion, it is the greatest match to ever happen in the Dragon System. It is the greatest the Puesa's match ever happened in the Dragon System. It is some of the best storytelling to ever happen in a wrestling ring. And if you if you find the right version of it, you can listen to Bonnie Tyler singing Holding Out for a Hero.
1: <laughs> you know what's crazy is that I, I didn't even think about this match or Crazy Max versus Italian connection. My mind went straight to Another 2005 match, Shima Magnitude Kishiwada and Shingo Takagi versus Masaki Mochizuki, Susumi Yokosuka, and Taka Michinoku, which is a Shingo Takagi showcase, a really good post-Michinoku pro-Taka Michinoku match, which there aren't many of, and... Then you get Shima, Magnitude, Moshi, and Sasumu just doing their damn thing. This is this is another four and three quarters, almost a five-star match. And I, I feel like because Taka's involved, let me, uh, tell me if this makes sense. Because Taka's involved, it got more play at the time. But because yes. Taka's not as well thought of now, I think it's a match that people might look at and not be super excited about. But this is like a dream six-man tag
2: yeah and taka is someone that obviously now it's not the case with people departing he was really tight with the crew then so there was a lot of taka stuff there and this was i felt like the best match that he had in dragon gate by by far
1: oh my god by far
2: yeah yeah and he got to like play off the chemistry of shima but it's also like as you said this was the this was really like I am just trying to go off the top of my head here, Case, and I'm probably wrong. Someone someone can correct me for once I will be okay about that. But <laughs> I think this was either in the lead up to or the departure match for Shingo Takaki before his excursion.
1: Ooh, that is that is a good question because that is no well it's in Or is the it lead when he up. came back? It is it's in the lead up to because you gotta remember he works King of Gate that year right. uh, and has that match with BB Hulk and Cork and Hall and then he leaves for excursion in
2: November. November, yeah.
1: No, well, he le- he leaves in May of two thousand six, but Shingo's in Japan for all of two thousand five. So he's got about another about another Four eight months in Japan before he leaves for excursion.
2: Why did I think his excursion started in two thousand five? Like, li- like basically, like as soon as shima made his appearances in 2015 they were trying to get shingo out over there
1: well he and shima worked that drangate invasion show in buffalo for ring of honor but then they go straight back to japan it's not for a a while that he, he goes back to america
2: that makes sense that just was something that just bounced around my head and i couldn't figure it out there i'm glad we figured that out on there uh your october pick october was the toughest month i found october was difficult
1: yeah, I, I found April to be the most difficult, um, but with October, there's actually there's a few different options here that I liked. Uh, whew, you know, I'm looking at this list now of matches I've got. I, I've got Mochizuki versus Tozawa from October of 2011 in here. I've got Masato Yoshino versus Yamato from uh, 2013 in here. I, I I will give an honorable mention that I think is worth mentioning. Especially because it's timely with what was going on at Corkin Hall this week, 2014, there was a Dia Hearts versus Monster Express three match series. They did the same thing; they did lottery pairings, and then they had three singles matches. And it was Shingo versus Dragon Kid, Hulk versus Yoshino, and Tozawa versus Mochizuki. And all of those matches individually are outstanding, especially Tozawa versus Mochizuki. But what I'm going with is the 2011 cage match. Akira Tozawa, BB Hulk, Cyber Kong, Kagatora, Shingo, and Yamato. Simply because when I watched this match for the first time, I was still very new to Dragon Gate, And seeing them throw basically like a rescue ladder into the cage to get Cyber Kong out was just the most creative thing I'd ever seen in a wrestling match at that point. And that really made an impression with me.
2: That is always the cage match that gets forgotten because it wasn't in May.
1: Yeah, it, and it is... Other than 2016, it's probably my favorite cage match they've done.
2: Yeah, yeah. And everyone got to learn why Yamato should be careful about his haircuts because of that, Matt.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, Shingo Shingo leaves him in the cage. And that would come to fruition 18 months later when Yamato turned on him.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I went with one that really off the beaten path for October. I went with... Shingo Takagi versus BB Hulk from October seventh, twenty eighteen. Yes, I picked Shingo Takagi's farewell match, and I did that like in the theme, like I wanted to have like a big emotional one. And yeah, Shingo's departure not at much more subdued than like Tozawa's or like Uha Nations or anything like that. But I really like that there is like something special about Hulk and Toza- and Takagi. I did not want to pull the DGUSA match that would have counted because it was in October. But I just felt like I needed to have Shingo and Hulk match, and this was where it made sense here. And yeah, it's not the best one. It's probably one of the worst ones, actually, but it just is something that felt like I needed to have Hulk versus uh, Takagi on this this mixtape.
1: I haven't watched this match since it happened. I don't even know if I thought this match was good in real time or not. It was...
2: I mean, it was like because you had you had Hulk and like all the stuff there. Yeah, it was not it. it I really should have picked the DUSA one by one. is sticks up with within USA because Hulk versus Takagi from 2010 is much better than.
1: I I, I would have gone uh, if I was not if I was going to go with a non Kobe World Hulk versus Shingo match. I would have gone King of Gate 2005, which would be December. But I did not. Uh November. Are we ready for November? I can give my November pick here real quick. Okay. I'm assuming we're going to be lined up here. Shingo versus Mochizuki from 2015.
2: Yep, the best yeah. Dreamgate match ever.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I said at the time it was one of the 10 best matches I've ever seen. I think Okada and Omega might have disrupted that, that take because I think I would have two of their matches in my top 10 at this point. But still, it is uh, as good as professional wrestling can get.
2: Yeah, and it was tough because I kind of wanted to put uh, uh, Tazawa's farewell match here. The last big six match, all of them together in the ring. I feel like there's like some nice uh, symbolism there. If I yeah, could have done that. that was, but,
1: yeah. But that was a uh Yeah, that Tozawa show was a bummer. I just, I remember being really sad about that. Yeah. Well, he's been gone he's been gone six years.
2: Yeah, man. I come to terms with that every day. Every <laughs> yeah.
1: day. My favorite wrestler <laughs>
2: ever. Just can't watch him. I have not seen a match of his I I'll see clips that pops on YouTube or on Twitter. I'm just like whatever, but I've not seen since that like three way match with him, Pack, and Buddy Murphy. That's the last match of his I've seen.
1: Yeah, there was some really good 205 Live stuff. I mean, he has a singles match with Kenta on 205 Live that I thought was awesome, but I've never seen him on the main roster before, nor do I have any desire to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't need to touch the poop to know it's poop.
1: Yeah, Amen. What about your December?
2: December is an interesting one because there's a lot of really good options for December. You could go 12 2016 rookies versus vets, if you wanted to go that direction. Like, that's a vibe I did not pursue in this mixtape. I totally could have. Uh, you have uh, uh, RED versus Torreymon Generation from 2020. But I went with what I think is someone's best ever singles match from Christmas Day, 2011, Final Gate, getting the... Uh, getting the dream gate for the last time and for the longest time single ring in history misaki mochizuki versus shima
1: really good pick a match that i have come around on because there was a long time where i was just not into this match for whatever reason the build was great it was obviously blood warriors versus junction three and then i watched this for the first time and went huh that was like three and a quarter and then i rewatched it about a year and a half ago i was like no that's like a four and a half star match it's really really good
2: yeah, yeah it's something that uh of course the knock on shima does not have good singles matches not have like exceptional singles matches and some of that goes line goes part and parcel with the uh, stereotype of the dreamgate match that he very much personified for a long time but him and mochizuki always had great singles matches i know that there's the argument that they hair versus hair match was m- much better in 2000 but i just the, there's like this and like the whole thing of uh Blood Warriors standing tall for one of the few times that a that that is a big heel celebration to end a year. It just it just rules. Uh what was your match?
1: I gotta go Unit Disbands Tori Mon generation versus RED. It is the chalk pick here. I could have gone Hulk versus Shingo from King of Gate or Final Gate 2014. Uh I could have gone with 12-116 the rookies versus Legends match, but this Unit disbands match is just it's another five-star match. It's a perfect display of pro wrestling. I, I can't believe in the absolute depths of COVID, in a bleak existence for humanity, they were able to pull off a match as good as this.
2: It just was... It, it It's something that, like, now, with almost two years of retrospect, they had SB Kento Kakuta pen the entire heel side.
1: It, it's it, they're, Yes, they are operating on a different level than most wrestling companies. They just are.
2: Yeah, like like, that's a thing about all the departures and everything that like, I like take a step back and I'm going like, wait, th- they have been preparing for like this day pretty much since 2019, if not beforehand. <laughs> and, and that's exactly why they would have a match like this. They, they knew what they had. They knew what they had. And they knew that they had to get the, what they had to where that they could lead the company. And that's the world we're in now.
1: The countdown is on to SB Kento becoming the youngest grand slam champion of all time. He's only missing the Dreamgate belt. And, you know, he comes back to Japan in 2023, and I think once he comes back to Japan, it can happen at any moment.
2: I mean, he comes back early 2023. We're we're talking about Royal Road there. He's going to get every decoration you can get in this company.
1: Uh, amen, brother. I, I, I am delighted for him. I thought he looked great in the Deadlock Pro Show. I uh, look forward to him working Mexico and the US Indies for the next few months, and then he's going to come back to Japan, and he is just going to absolutely crush it.
2: Yeah, he's going to be a world eater. I think that's all we have for this week. We, uh, this uh, case, you were a little trepidatious about this. I really enjoy kind of putting this together. This, it it, it, ha- it made me think differently about matches than you usually do.
1: Yeah, obviously I, I do this because I want people to send us their list. So please, if you, if you've made it this far on the podcast, sit down, send us your January through December, because I I thought it was a very fun exercise because again, I, it made me think about like, Oh, that October 2014 cork and show with die hearts versus monster express. That was really fun. That's a match, you know, eight years later that I still remember thoroughly devouring when it came out. And there's just a lot of stuff like that. And there's, you know, we didn't really touch like 2009 through 2012 for the most part. We didn't talk about a ton of Toriobo matches. There, there's a ton here that you can do. So please, if uh, if this interested you, please send us a list. I would love to read those.
2: Absolutely. And you can do that at Open Voice Gate on Twitter or Hit us up in the Voices of Wrestling Discord, either in the uh, voice open the VoiceGate channel or in the Dragon Gate channel, and we can. I I'll be interested to see what uh, other thoughts people have, like because as you said, like there is like a vibrant thing that like neither of us picked a match from the 1990s, which is yeah, a wild or, thing. To or, think about. Uh, you know,
1: or 2010. There's just there's a, there's a lot of uh the the good years are heavily weighted, and I think it's skewed. You know, obviously very. Very recent and very 2010s heavy, but there's a there's a, especially from your longtime Dragon Gate fans, I would love to know what they think of this. So, yeah, thank you for indulging me this week,
2: absolutely. And that's going to do it for us this week. We're going to have a big show next week. There's Corican, there's the uh Kyoto show, and there's all the uh excursion stuff happening in case we, we might need to like figure out how we're going to tackle this off air, but it'll it be a big episode next week. And the best way you can support us again is if you go to. Our red circle landing page, click the red box, says sponsor this podcast. And also, if you're thinking about it and you don't don't want to throw money that way, that's fine. Just go to wherever you find your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. Give us a five-star rating review. It helps us helps more people find the show. And we greatly appreciate it. But you can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. I'm at Fujiheya. Cases at underscore in your case. Thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back.